Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Welcome back to All of It. I'm Tiffany Hansen in for Allison Stewart today. Now we are going to preview a new historical drama coming to FX and Hulu tomorrow. It's called Shogun, based on the 1975 novel by the same name by James Clavell. The story follows a shipwrecked British sailor named John Blackthorne who washes up on the shores of 17th century Japan at a moment of intense fighting among five ruling regents as they jockey for power. One of them, the cunning, stern Lord Tornaga, takes Blackthorne, who, by the way, curses like a British sailor, under his wing. Blackthorne is a devout Protestant Christian who sailed the dangerous voyage around the world and open up trade relations between Japan and England, breaking up a a monopoly held by Catholic missionaries trading on behalf of Portugal and Spain. Lots and lots and lots of history here, folks. Those Portuguese missionaries helped Mariko, a noble woman loyal to Toronaga, find her faith as a Catholic. We're going to just dive into all of that in order to, (laughs) yeah, we'll just get right into it. Joining us to talk about the series are the creators, writer and executive producer Justin Marks. Hi, Justin. Hi. And supervising producer Rachel Kondo. Hi. Hi. Thank you both. Executive producer. Ex- well. Oh, sorry. Got it. Okay. Noting. <laughs> so exec. many so many words in front of producer. So many words. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being here. All right. So I just want to start with the book because I can. I was a kid back in the day, and I remember my mother reading that book mm. and it's a tome it's over a thousand pages of course as a kid i was like i don't know how anybody can read first of all a thousand pages of anything right <laughs> um all that to say that's a really expansive work to try to distill down to a series so talk to us about your process i'll start mm. with you justin uh i think i think um it was probably the the biggest challenge was really looking at the cultural legacy uh, and thinking of you know Rachel and I are of a generation uh, that, you know we did not uh, read the book uh, in its time or experience uh, the miniseries that came out right 1980 yeah, yeah we we really grew up with it as it was the the book that was on our parents nightstands yeah and uh, that book had a silhouette um, one that we recognized from the culture it was you know a silhouette that I think we were uh, having a hard time figuring out you know is there a story that we can tell today that feels contemporary that feels you know because so much of what uh, Shogun has kind of uh, you know spearheaded in the culture is this you know this narrative framing of a stranger in a strange land. Mm. Um, even hearing that description um, is is strangely not how once we read the book and really dove in, how we saw the story. It, it is very much Tornaga's story in in those right. Ways. It's and, a strange land for who, not for him. Yeah, right? and it's mm-hmm. and it's you know and and then there's a you know as as Rachel puts it a, a narrative braid um, with with Blackthorn and with Medico. Um But it was you know we found it to be a, an amazingly dispersed point of view, and I think that's what gave us our way in at that at that early level. You know, we talk about. Someone said in architecture, right? There's there's no grand scale buildings or small scale buildings. There's only human scale, and and we really think the same with story. Is it's just the human scale of the story is what led us through it. You didn't find that at all daunting. 
I think the daunting part was was just understanding the impact that it had had and that we all kind of live the story in, itself. Yes, yeah. the mm-hmm. story itself and that we all kind of live in the after effects of that impact. Um, and and do we have anything new to say? Do we have anything new to add? So that was the most daunting part. I think the the characters, um, well, the read itself was so propulsive and mm. so engaging that that these were characters we knew we wanted to spend a lot of time with, um, and we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Five years for us. Mm-hmm. Um, um, however, yeah, just making sure that we had something that we could uh, add to the story. So for folks who may know the story, may know the miniseries, this is have you and i'm i'm questioning i don't know what your view is on this or have you just reframed it is is someone could someone be very sort of simplistic and say it's a reframing of the story i would i would say we we went back to the text uh mm-hmm. because i think the way uh james clavell uh framed the story was in this dispersed way so we really looked at it from the place of well we have a standard today where audiences will accept things like subtitles and so we can really sure. give voice to this japanese cast in the same way that clavell does on the page in a novel um you know we're we're able to bring it closer to that i think that uh over the course of the production what we were looking to do we kept saying is I don't think we could ever properly as Western filmmakers uh, invert the gaze of this novel set in in Japan. Um, we're from Hollywood. You know, we, can, we can't possibly fully em- embrace a, a point of view uh, that doesn't belong to our culture. What we can do and what we tried to do constantly through this show was to subvert the gaze mm-hmm. and to play with expectations when it came to what kind of story you think this is and mm-hmm. then what kind of story it actually turns mm-hmm. out to be, um, which is exactly what the novel does too and you know so in that sense i still consider it today a little ahead of its time Mm. so uh i mentioned this is 17th century so rachel just for folks who might not even know what we're talking about with the book describe Mm. for us this time period in japan what what is it like i i will say hearing the creaking of the ship on that in the in the first episode like i immediately was like I'm right there. I'm right there with Welcome you. Welcome to 1600. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just took that kind of like creak, you know, of the like listing ship. Anyway, so congrats on that. <laughs> oh, great. Um, thank you. Um, well, we are entering the world of, of medieval Japan. Right. And this is uh, the end of nearly a century of warring states. And the reigning uh, power has has died and he's left a, a young heir in his place, um, too young to rule. And so we have the five most um, powerful bushos who have been uh, uh, brought together as a. And these are the regents that I mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. These are the. This is the council of regents, and uh, together they're meant to rule until the heir comes of age. However. They are individuals with thoughts and ideas and ambitions, and so um, it's 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 a game. Who who among them will come out ahead? And uh, as we enter our story, it's Succession, circa sixteen hundred. Well, so glad you mentioned Succession. You. Yeah, because that was really in the writers' room on this show. You know, every television show has like that that one show that everyone's watching over the weekend and comes right. in on Monday to talk about. Yeah. And and for us, it was Succession mm-hmm. all the time when we were doing this. Right. And 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 I feel like it's interesting how 
certain shows just find their way into unlikely places, right? Um, like feudal Japan. <laughs> uh, Justin, you mentioned um, subtitles. Translation is a, I think, sort of a theme here. So talk to us a little bit about how important translation was not only to, in the book to the to the work that you have done and also specifically to the politics and the diplomacy that's going on in the arena that's being showcased here. Gosh, yeah, so much of this show had to do with translation, um, cultural translation, literal language translation. Um, we we gave a lot of thought to what it is to do to be uh, in a, uh, a multilingual world. And one of the things that was really interesting was we knew because Blackthorn speaks Portuguese, which is, you know, filtered as English in our show, um, and the rest of the mm. characters speak Japanese, that there was going to be a lot of translation. And I think what we found is that all of us, anyone who's ever been on a Zoom in two languages or anything else, you know, you spend a lot of time speaking and then staring at your hands and listening while that's translated. And then they stare at their hands while it's translated back. And it doesn't make for the most cinematic dialogue possible. Um, so we were really intent on trying to find cinematic dialogue out of it. And and when you look at uh, the, the construction of Blackthorn and Tornaga and then Mariko as their translator uh, in the book and in our show – she has an agenda that is separate from Toronaga's agenda that is separate from Blackthorn's agenda. And for people who don't know, she, Mariko, is the translator. That's right. Yeah. She is uh, She is a, uh, a woman of the samurai class who, uh, because of her uh, Catholic faith, also speaks the language that Blackthorn is able to speak so she can be that bilingual character in the show and um, played wonderfully by uh, Anna Sawai. Uh, and... and those scenes where she's translating for them uh, feel, you know, we wanted to cut them like action scenes because they feel just as dramatic for her as these revelations are kind of shaking the foundations of the Catholic Church that she's so loyal to, uh, as just as exciting for her as they are for Blackthorn and uh, Tornaga himself. So finding that kind of, you know, three-legged stool in those scenes was crucial to the mechanics of how we tell this show, which is a, a, a bilingual show. Mm -hmm. So, Rachel, viewing language as an opportunity as opposed to something that needed to be worked around or a challenge. Mm, I, I love that. Um, this show, uh, we didn't know it going into it, what it would require when it came to, you know, you write the scripts in English. Five years later, it's gone through twists and turns and a team of translators, a Japanese playwright, uh, our Japanese producers, the, you know, the performers, every, and then it's, tra it's, it's translated back. Mm. What's spoken mm. was translated back to us in English so that we could try to, to marry the experience of watching the performance right. and what you're reading that we could get it as close as possible. This is, I didn't even know any of this could happen. Um, and we had the time, thankfully, to to do it. But it this show from the very beginning started with a book. It starts with words. And um, our process ended with the words as well. Mm. And punctuation. We yeah. had to negotiate punctuation. Yeah, when you have two married writers, uh, there's going to be a lot of, you know, punctuation fights. I love that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about, um, you know, it gained popular sort of conversation around language and translation with the series Narcos, right? Because I think the world 
the greater world woke up and said, hey, people are going to watch stuff that they don't necessarily understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what that has opened up is pretty fantastic in terms of what we're able to do on screen. Right. Um, I'm curious how you view it as an art form in and of itself. We were talking earlier in the show about translation, and I'm sorry to sort of belabor this translation, but yeah, I think it's pretty important <laughs> to the to the series um, because it is it's such an art form when it, as it relates to books, for example. We right. were talking earlier in the show about uh, translations, book translations. It's truly it can make or break something. Uh, you know, if your book is written in Japanese. And someone translates it, you know, with not knowing what they're doing or whatever, right? right? Like the whole thing falls apart. Right. And again, I just feel like you had to have had, it sounds like from the process, that was something that was really top of mind for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, we really, I think there's a feeling sometimes as writers that you want, you know, the words to be the ultimate authority. And uh, we felt... Uh, as the process gets handed off in this kind of baton uh, pass to our our uh, Japanese producers who have to conform this not just to from English to Japanese but to period Japanese, yeah, right, Japanese right, right, right. which is you know performed in a certain way um, and and then you know filtered through the actors who would sometimes improvise uh, and then coming back, we would find very often um, looking at, the the words from the script and then the final words that that get retranslated back very often it was quite the same and and that's great um, but then there were just a couple moments of magic where the dialogue was better than we could have ever uh, imagined because just some nuance that comes right. out uh, in the Japanese that really was uh, you realize like what's really authoring this is not writers sitting there, although it is, because we're all as a writer's room coming up with the characters and the uh, themes and the, the structure of the story. But these little moments are also the process is authoring it, the the kind of the, the magic of the collaboration between uh, our Japanese producers, our uh, American and Canadian team to put this together. It was a very special thing. But the other thing that I, you know, you, you talk about uh, this translation and subtitles and that we're more willing to embrace it now with Narcos and other shows as well, Squid game is a great example. I really think that one of the things that we look past to uh, too many times is this um, uh, the interface of the words on screen uh, yeah. because we think of them as an afterthought. We wish they would just go away so we could just you know telepathically understand what these characters are saying in a different language but that's not a fact of the experience. The discursive space of what you see on screen is in fact going to be words and so as much effort as our wonderful costume designer puts into these costumes and their, our wonderful production designer yeah. puts into these sets and our actors, the words that come up on screen are just as important yeah. in every way. And so we had to think of ways to say, you know, because it's important to our promise to our audience on this show that if we're going to, if you're going to invest your time with us and watch this show, these subtitles, we're trying to do them in a way that no one's done before. We're trying to, you know, we bring them higher up in the frame so that we yeah, marry it that. closer yep, to yep, the yep. actor's eyes. We 
fight the color on every single letter so that you're not doing the white words on white background. Right. What's really going on? Anyone who's ever watched a subtitled film in black and white knows what I'm talking about. Um, and then as Rachel's describing, we we married it to the performance when, oh, it looks like she's reacting to that idea in this half of the sentence in there. So we've rewrote the sentence so that the Japanese inversion would line up closely with the actual performance so that you feel what they're feeling when it's happening, mm. which too often we do subtitles with a third party in this business and they're yeah. not actually the filmmakers doing it directly. Justin mentioned his hope for the project. What is what is your hope for the project? Oh, oh man, it has it has evolved over time. Uh, initially, I just hoped to you know to do well by it. Then I hoped to survive the production <laughs> process. But the, these days, the it's so exciting. I mean, it's surreal to be sharing it uh, with with people. Um, the hope for me, I can say, is I, I hope viewers will sense the the care that was put mm-hmm. into it and and how everything was considered and negotiated and it was this this collaboration with an army of of Japanese experts historians um uh, advisors um movement instructors like all, all it was an army of people who came together poured themselves into this and every component of it has been carefully considered we we talk about collaboration just in there we're thinking of black blackthorn mariko and tornaga as kind of the three right mm-hmm. so what what was the describe the collaboration between those actors on set and what that was like i think everyone came from a very different style in in some way because you have the great hiroyuki sonata playing tornaga who is classically trained uh shakespearean actor uh you know spent most of his right. life working in japan and then came over to the hollywood system over 20 years ago you have in anna Sawai, uh a, a more naturalistic and human and interior actress uh, who brings kind of what I would call a modernity to the to the role, and then in Cosmo Jarvis, who plays uh, John Blackthorne, you really have that great method uh, madness um, and yeah. energy and ferocity that we really felt would bring a great contrast to the world he's being sent to. So so much, you know, we wouldn't have to do the work in the writing to define how Blackthorne appears different from this world. Cosmo just brings this kind of animal force into his environment that, by its introduction, feels alien. Mm. So. We're, we've got about 30 seconds left. Tell us it's starting. It streams. Tell us when, where, how we can watch it. Mid- midnight. Midnight. <laughs> in a few Everyone hours. Everyone stay awake. Yes. yes. No, it, it, yeah, it comes on uh, FX and Hulu uh, and uh, tomorrow at, on the 27th. And we're excited for you to share it. Sounds great. Been talking with the co-creators of the new FX series Shogun based on the James Clavell book by the same name. The first two episodes drop. Hulu, Disney Plus, FX, Justin Marks, Rachel Kondo, thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. 